0: Welcome to this week's energy show. This week we're talking about financing options for commercial solar buildings. We talked about the process, equipment, and key considerations for commercial solar on a previous show, but this week we're going to focus on financing. Now, I'm really excited about the potential for commercial solar installations. When you fly over a city, you see a hundreds of commercial buildings with flat rooftops. These all have tremendous potential for solar. You've got small commercial buildings, ten to 100,000 square feet. You've got huge commercial warehouse buildings, all of which are basically just mini power plant locations that haven't been built yet. If you own a building, you can use this unused space To reduce your own electric consumption. And the numbers are very attractive. You've got good paybacks. And we're going to kind of talk about that more in a minute. Now, there's two reasons why there's not more commercial solar on rooftops around the country right now the first reason was it used to be that financing was tricky and expensive for commercial solar yes there were ways to do it but it was complicated and the economics weren't super compelling they were okay now there's some really good options second the solar equipment itself was very expensive solar panels used to cost thousand dollars each now they're less than two hundred dollars each so that's really made commercial solar more attractive you can finance it and it's cheaper So let's talk about commercial solar if you're an owner-occupant of a building. That's where it makes the most sense. You own the building, and you're paying all the electric bills for yourself. You get all of the benefits of that power plant on your roof. In those cases, if you're in an area with high electric rates... Solar on your commercial building is pretty much a no-brainer. The next option is if you're a building owner, but you lease the building out to tenants. It still may make sense for you to put solar on the building for your common area charges. Or, in some cases, the building owners bill the tenants for the electricity that's being generated. And, yeah, it's a great thing to do for the environment. One of the items of urgency for commercial solar is that the investment tax credit and net metering are right now very favorable. But that situation is going to change. The ITC is going to go away at the end of 2016, and net metering is also going to change in many locations, including here in California. So the deal is good through mid to late 2016, and after that, the economics are going to get a little worse. So let's talk about steps of the solar installation itself. Got to make sure that we do an initial screening, looking at the feasibility of solar, looking at the roof, making sure that the roof is in good shape, making sure that the business has the financial ability to finance these systems. And usually that means that the business is profitable and there's some tax credits that we can use and making sure that the owner of the building's current on property tax bills and that there's no title disputes. Once we've kind of gotten through that initial screening, it really makes sense to look into commercial solar. So, as far as financing your commercial solar project, there's five factors that will affect the economics of commercial solar on your building. And we're talking about things like the electric rates that you pay, obviously higher electric rates, solar makes more sense, your electricity consumption profile, and that's really important when there are time of use rates that you can take advantage of. We'll talk about that more in a minute. The cost of the equipment, the incentives, because the incentives are going to reduce that upfront cost and the cost of the installation, and the types of financing. So, we'll go through each of those in a little bit more detail. As far as electric rates, let's just initially talk about here in PGE territory, but it's basically the same situation throughout most of California. Different utilities, but the rates are all pretty similar. In PGE territory, commercial customers basically are on three different rates there's small commercial. A1. There's medium commercial, A10. And then there's large commercial. And we're not going to really talk about large commercial because that is a kind of a completely different system, almost more utility scale. Because large commercial in many cases is not just for self-consumption. Now, there's been one big change in the electric rates and in pg territory over the last few years for commercial. And that basically is that all commercial rates right now include a time of use component. So basically the public utilities commission has adjusted the rates and made sure that the utilities are able to charge customers, commercial customers more money for electricity during peak periods and actually makes some good logical sense because it's more expensive to deliver electricity during peak periods because during these peaks the utility has to be buying more expensive power less efficient Gas generating systems are used. Hydroelectricity, and we don't have a lot of hydro anymore in the drought, but hydro can be tapped. Maybe even storage is used during these peak times. So the peak electricity costs more. So, to give you an example of, of the magnitude of these changes, and it's pretty significant, on the A1 rate, which is PG&E's small commercial rate, the peak charge is 26 cents a kilowatt hour. That's kind of like comparable to the, the high residential rate, medium to high residential rate. At off peak, the rate is only $0.15 cents a kilowatt hour. And these peak times are generally weekdays, weekday afternoons, you know, Monday through Friday from, say, 12 to 6 or 2 to 9 sometimes for certain rates. So there's a pretty big difference with peak. Now, A10, which is medium commercial, a lot of the buildings that we do are on medium commercial rates, the peak charge is $0.18 cents a kilowatt hour and $0.11 cents a kilowatt hour off-peak. The A10 also has something called demand charges. And these demand charges can be pretty significant. So first we talked about the energy charges. You know, A10, it's $0.18 a kilowatt hour and $0.11 off-peak. Demand charges are built on the total kilowatts being used during any 15-minute period in a month. So these demand charges on the A10 rate right now are $15 a kilowatt in summer and $7 per kilowatt in the winter. So if you're using 100 kilowatts peak in the summer, your electric bill is going to have another $1,500 charge. And if it's 100 kilowatts in the winter, you're going to have a $700 charge. Now, here's where it gets tricky. In the summer, if you've got the lights on in an afternoon and it's a hot day and all the air conditioners turn on at once, that peak may go from 100 kilowatts to 200 kilowatts. So your bill is going to go up. To $3,000 for demand charges instead of $1,500. So demand charges can be a very big part of your bill, and solar can offset those a little bit. But the biggest offset you're going to see with solar regarding electric rates is related to this time of use uh, peak off-peak charge. And that's where your electric consumption profile really comes in. Rooftop solar can dramatically reduce this peak energy consumption on hot summer afternoons, and on west, um, using west-facing arrays. And here's the way it works. So on the, for example, A1 small commercial rate, you're paying 26 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity on summer weekday afternoons. Well, if you install a solar array that's on your roof that's facing towards the west, that array is going to be generating most of its energy on afternoons. So your consumption on those weekday afternoons is going to be much lower because you're going to be getting most of your power, even perhaps all of it, from solar. And in in some cases, you may be generating excess power on those weekday afternoons, and you can run your meter backwards at 26 cents a kilowatt hour. It's really great. So the electric consumption profile is very, very important. And just basically in a nutshell, if you use a lot of power on weekday afternoons, solar can be very, very cost effective for you. And if you can install even a larger array, you could substantially run that meter backwards. In other words, generate big credits at 26 cents a kilowatt hour that you can use to offset... Power that the building may consume during off-peak times. So it's the consumption profile is really important. Next consideration is the cost of equipment, and and generally, just like almost everything, the bigger the system. The cheaper it is on a per watt basis than smaller systems. There's lots of economies of scale with solar installations. If you have large contiguous roof areas, it's easier. If you can purchase a large quantity of solar panels and equipment and design the racking in a, a large amount, say a few hundred kilowatts, it's going to be cheaper than a 20 or 30 kilowatt system. Now, it's important to make sure that the roof is in good shape and you don't have many obstructions. and it's straightforward to hook into the electrical system. But basically, the bigger the The system, the cheaper it's going to be on a per watt basis. Finally, we're going to talk about some of the incentives that really make solar pencil out effectively. Here in California, there's really only two incentives, and these incentives also apply uh, pretty much throughout the U.S. The first incentive is net metering. Net metering, which we talked about, is your ability to run the electric meter backwards when you're generating excess power and you're selling that power back to the utility basically at the retail rate. It's a very reasonable, simple, and fair way to compensate people for putting in solar and for also providing extra power to the utility on those days when they really need the power the most. You're sending power back to the utility in the afternoon or during the day when it's most expensive for them to generate. So the issue with net metering in California, and we're kind of right in the middle of the issue right now, is the net metering program is going to change sometime in mid to late 2016. The current customers are going to be grandfathered. And new customers, after the program changes, aren't going to get as good a deal. Now, Unfortunately, we don't know what the new program is going to be, and we don't have an exact date for it because the date is dependent on the number of megawatts of solar that's installed rather than a calendar date. But we know it's going to change. And we also know it's really good right now. So there's a big incentive to move now. The second big incentive is really related to taxes. There's a 30% federal investment tax credit that stays at 30% to the end of 2016. And on January 1st, 2017, that credit goes from 30 to 10%. So basically you lose 20% of the incentive At the end of 2016. And the system has to be installed and operating by the end of 2016. So there's some motivation to move fairly quickly. The third incentive really is another tax incentive. It's called the Modified Cost Recovery System. And that's basically additional depreciation. When I kind of look at the value of this depreciation on a present value basis, it's almost worth 20% of the value of the system. So between this depreciation system makers and the ITC, you can get tax credits that are going to pay for about 50% of the cost of the system. And that's pretty good. So those are the factors that affect the system cost. Now let's talk about different ways of paying for your rooftop PV system on a commercial building. The simplest is just buying the system outright. And I've got lots and lots of customers that kind of looked at the options back and forth, had a profitable business, and basically just out of cash flow purchased the system outright. And they'll get the tax benefits over time. First year, they'll get the 30% ITC. And over the next five years, they'll get the percentage of the makers that applies in each of the next five years. And that works out you know, really as almost one of the most cost-effective ways to do it. Historically, the second most popular way to do it was just to take out a bank loan and take out a bank loan for you know, a few hundred thousand dollars or depending on the size of the cost system, even bigger. And that loan would pay for the entire cost of the system. The interest on repaying that loan obviously would also be tax deductible. And so you've got those tax interest tax deductions. The principal's not deductible. And then you also get the tax benefits over time, 30% ITC in the first year and the makers over the next five years. So that's a good process. And the good news is that banks have been getting a lot more open towards financing solar. Ten years ago, it was kind of new. Now there's certain banks that have special lending programs for commercial and residential solar systems. It's pretty good. Or you may find that the bank that you normally use in the ordinary course of business is very willing to lend you money for the system. Now, the third type of financing, historically over the past 10 years or so, there's been another kind of financing that people have used and it's basically a straightforward lease. A third party would own the system and they would lease it back to you as the building owner another version of this lease is something called a power purchase agreement. Now, these leases and power purchase agreements started about 10 or 12 years ago when systems were really expensive. You'd make monthly payments to the owner of the system. It's not you as the building owner anymore. A third party owns the system, just as if you were to lease equipment. And this third party would get paid monthly from you. But the third party would get the tax credits, and they'd also get the makers, the depreciation. Your benefit as a building owner is you would get slightly cheaper electricity. You know, Let's say you have $2,000 a month lease payment, and your electric bill went down by $2,500 a month, you've come out $500 a month ahead. So your operating costs are pretty much always going to be a little bit lower with a lease, or with a power purchase agreement. In both cases, a third party owns the system. In both cases, you get slightly lower electricity, 15 20%. And these agreements can get pretty complicated as far as the term and what happens at the end of the term and escalation rates and things like that. But they were pretty popular when systems were expensive because you had to find a way to stretch the payment of the system out over 20 years and find a way for somebody else to get the, the tax deductions. What's changed recently, and this is something that was pioneered in California, is something called a PACE loan. PACE stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy. And basically, the loan is repaid out of your annual tax assessments. The balance of the loan goes with the property if it's sold. So if you sell your building and you've paid back half the loan, the other half of the loan still sits basically with the property, and the new owner is going to take over that repayment. And the repayments are, are pretty reasonable. It's become very popular since it's by far the simplest kind of financing and by far the best economics of anything I've seen for financing solar. It has no impact on your business credits and basically every building owner qualifies as long as the title is clean and there's equity in the property. So this is something that we're finding makes a lot of sense for building owners in California, and we're very happy to be using PACE both for commercial and residential. So we talked about the equipment, we talked about the financing, we talked about the economics. Now I think the picture will be a lot clearer if we take a look at a couple of case studies of two kinds of rooftop PV systems. We're going to look at a relatively small 25-kilowatt system on the A1 rate, and we're going to look at a larger system that's a 100-kilowatt system on the A10 rate. So first, let's talk a little bit about some of the assumptions that go into this number crunching. We're assuming that there's a discount rate of 5%, and these parameters and these assumptions are easy to change as we do the financial analysis. And, you know, we're happy to do these financial analysis at Cinnamon Solar, and I'm sure you can find other commercial solar installers that have the ability to crunch these numbers for you. So some assumptions, discount rate of 5%, We're going to assume an electric escalation rate of 2%. Some people may think it's higher, some people lower, but 2% I think is pretty reasonable. We're going to assume that there's an output degradation of half a percent a year of the energy of the system. Maybe the system gets dirty, it's not clean, etc. We're going to assume that there's an annual maintenance of about $0.02 a watt. and That's going to cover any inverters that have to be replaced. And we're going to assume that the total tax rate is about 35%. California might be higher with the state taxes, but we just have 35% plugged in here for now. So with those assumptions, and we'll use the same assumptions for both the small and the large system, let's take a look at what the economics look like for a 25 kilowatt system on a small commercial building on the a1 rate. that's about a hundred solar panels it's not a huge amount of area it's about 2500 square feet on your roof so just imagine an area that's about 25 feet wide by 100 feet long that's all we need this this total system size, as I mentioned, is twenty-five kilowatts. The um and, and and it's part of the modeling that we've done here, the current electric costs are about fourteen thousand dollars a year. And with the system in place, you're gonna save about eight thousand dollars a year in electricity. So total system costs seventy seven thousand dollars. The system cost per watt is about $3 a watt. And that's how we kind of count things. And that's a, a normal number for a small commercial installation. Obviously, large commercial is going to be much cheaper. And you know, if you have a house, 5 kilowatts, it's going to be much more. So after the tax credit and the modified accumulated depreciation system in the first year, the net cost in the first year is going to be about $45,000. You're going to get four more years of depreciation benefits, but the net cost is about $45,000. So if I put on my business school hat and say, okay, well, what does that mean in terms of the payback? The payback is about four and a half years, and that's just a simple payback calculation. But let's do a little bit more complicated calculation with the net present value. If I look at the net present value of that system, if I paid cash for it, the NPV would be about $110,000. So that's over a 25-year period. The present value of the cash flow is $110,000. The present value, the net present value with PACE is $125,000, so PACE is about $15,000 more. And the reason is that the interest is tax deductible and you've got a pretty good interest rate. The third option, if you lease it, your NPV is about $61,000. And the reason why the value of the lease isn't as high is because you don't get the tax benefits and you only save a little bit of money on electricity every year. Whereas with cash and PACE, after the system's paid off, you benefit from all those savings. So looking at it from a commercial standpoint, positive cash flow from the very beginning with PACE and you've got a pretty good NPV. Now, let's look at a larger system. Let's look at a a 100-kilowatt commercial system. In this case, the system's going to cost a total of about $250,000. And you're looking at current electric costs. And these are just, you know, examples of a model, $62,000 for electric costs. And you can save about $20,000 of your electric bill with solar. So you're going to go from 60000 down to $40,000. Now, obviously, with this electric bill, we can put in 800 solar panels and pretty much you know, get that consumption down to 20,000 or even more, you can wipe it out. But I just wanted to just look at a fairly simple example of 400 solar panels on a roof. That's a 100 kilowatt system. That's going to take up about 10,000 square feet, a lot more space, but on a commercial building on the A-10 rate, you should have that amount of space available. So in this case, the payback is, it's, it's kind of interesting with the bigger system, The payback is actually five and a half years. It's actually more than the payback for the small system. You may say, gee, why is the payback a little bit longer for the larger system than the smaller system? And the reason the payback is is actually faster on the smaller system is because the smaller systems on the A1 electric rate. And on that A1 electric rate, you're paying 26 cents a kilowatt hour peak. Whereas on the A10 electric rate, you're paying about $0.18 a kilowatt hour peak. So you're getting more value for the electricity that's being generated on the small system than the large system, even though the large system is going to cost proportionally less uh, on a per watt basis. So once again, putting on the, the business school hat and calculating the NPV, The NPV, if it's purchased with cash under the assumptions we talked about, $230,000. The NPV, if a PACE loan is used to purchase the system, it's about $275,000. So you've got about $45,000 more benefit with PACE. And if you lease it, the NPV is down around $140,000. So once again, because of the benefits of a PACE loan, the ease with which PACE loans can be put in place if you don't have cash, PACE is a really, really good option. So here's my recommendations kind of to summarize with financing your commercial system. First, the most important thing is because the costs of the systems have come down, because financing has become easier, There's been a rebirth in commercial solar. And the industry, the solar industry, has kind of been bemoaning the fact that the residential business took off and the utility-scale business took off. Commercial business didn't. The reason was that the financing wasn't there. And now it's there, which is good. The equipment and installation costs for solar throughout the value chain in the industry, residential, commercial, and utility, have come down a lot. So that really has improved paybacks. And, you know, I really like the fact that these new PACE loans are available in most cities around California, and they're starting to crop up in other cities around the country. PACE isn't available everywhere, but it's very easy for a solar installer that does commercial work to find out if PACE applies to your particular location. Now, most importantly, net metering is going to change in 2016 here in California. So sometime mid to late next year, the deal's going to change. And I absolutely recommend that you get grandfathered into the current net metering regime. And the second is the investment tax credit is going to go down from 30% to 10%. So you're going to lose about 20% of the tax benefits. So now is the best time to evaluate solar for your commercial roof. And if it makes sense, you want to get it installed while you're still able to take advantage of these two big incentives. I'd say that by mid-2016, all of the good experienced solar companies are going to be pretty much completely booked trying to hit their end of the year deadlines for their residential and their commercial customers well that's all the time we've got on this week's energy show thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today and if you missed any of today's show you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts